When we lived in Kentucky years ago, I'd go over twice a week to Craig Sharp's house. Craig had uh, a lot of workout equipment, weights, barbells and dumbbells and all that in his basement. Craig was a big guy, big muscular guy, a football coach, a man's man. And I used to, I used to love to, to work out with Craig. Craig would, uh, we'd get on the bench, the, do the bench press, for example, and, and Craig would press big weights. I'd stand above him to try to spot him, to try to make sure that if, for whatever reason, he, he dropped them, that I could catch them. And then when, uh, when Craig would finish with the big weights, he'd, we'd put them in, the, in its cradle, the bar in, in its cradle, and, and then we'd remove several discs, a lot of big weights, and, and I, I would take my place on the bench. And Craig would, would stand above me to spot me to make sure that, that I wasn't crushed by the weight of that bar. And, and I'd do all I could. And then we had this thing, either I or he would say, one more. And so I'd push with my, my muscles burning and my face reddening and my little arms shaking. I'd, I'd, push that, I'd push that bar up as high as I could. And then Craig mercifully would, would take it in his big strong arms and he would sit it in its cradle and he always said and this is why I would go this is what kept me coming back Craig always would say you just got stronger I don't want to be simplistic but maybe you can um, maybe you can imagine that your father the creator of the universe standing over you making sure that you're not crushed, spotting you, if you will, to make sure you're not crushed by the weight of whatever it is that feels so heavy. And when you've done all that you can, and then a little more, if you listen really carefully, you might hear your father whisper, you just got stronger. That's what we read from the book of James. We heard read just a few minutes ago in chapter one. Consider it pure joy whenever you face trials of many kinds because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance so that you may be mature and complete not lacking anything in verse 2 the words when you face trials is the same word or is literally means when you fall into trials it's the same word that Jesus used when he was telling the story of the good Samaritan and he talked about the man that was traveling from Jerusalem down to Jericho and he fell into the hands of robbers. He's talking about falling into, when we fall into trials, it sounds like 2020, does it not? We, we were minding our own business. 2020 had begun as a promising year. You know, there was this distant story from China, from all the way across the world about this coronavirus, but we didn't take it seriously. In fact, one Sunday morning in the sanctuary, when it came time for the greeting, I I said, you can shake each other's hands, don't worry about germs. And then I said, you know, if, if somebody near you has coronavirus, it's too late for you anyway. I was making light of it. I look back now and I feel kind of like a heel for saying that. But we weren't taking it seriously. We were, we were just minding our own business when suddenly, almost overnight, we, now we're, we're in the middle of this pandemic at church, we were celebrating our, our generation's campaign 
goal of seven pledged 8.3 million. And, and we had so many people who came to be part of our church, many to be baptized during that, that campaign, which is almost unheard of. And we're celebrating. And, and then almost overnight, the news is bad. It's worse than we dreamed. And, and we'll never forget this. So James says, when you fall, when you're minding your own business and, and through no fault of your own, perhaps, you fall into something really difficult, count it joy, he said. He's not being unreasonable. He's not talking about some kind of shallow joy, but, but he's saying that something really good can come from something really bad. So here we are in the pandemic, and we have a decision to make. Are we going to emerge from this better if we are, we can, but if we are, there's some things to remember. Number one, remember that fire makes gold pure. Fire makes gold pure. The Greek word that's translated testing in James that we heard read a moment ago, the, the word that's translated testing is the word that was used for the brutal process of refining precious metals. I saw that process on a YouTube video. It hasn't changed much. The rock is blasted, it is pulverized, from rocks the size of softballs to the size of golf balls and into the size of grains of sand. It is mixed with a cyanide solution and then it's ground into a mud-like pulp. Then it's, sent, then it's sent into an agitation tank. Following that, it undergoes several separation and chemical processes to to separate the gold from the impurities. Then the gold is poured into a smelter at a temperature of 1,600 degrees where the Celsius, where the impurities called slag separate. The gold is then heated again at 1,600 degrees Celsius and then poured into molds. Eventually, the gold is 99.9% pure, the international gold standard. So James would say, if you want to be pure, if you want to be mature, if you want to be complete. You have to be blasted and agitated and pulverized and chemicalized and, and put into the fire. God inspired Peter to write, in this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that your faith of greater worth than gold which perishes even though refined by fire, may be proved genuine and may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus is revealed. Remember, fire makes gold pure. Second thing, don't rush the morning. Don't rush the morning. I love Psalm 30, verse 5, and quote it all the time. Weeping may last for the night, but joy comes in the morning. The night may be dark and it may be long, but morning always comes. The point today is don't rush the morning. Don't waste the night sitting around wishing for and waiting for the morning to come. Something really good can happen in the night. We Americans like quick fixes. We like fast pain relief. In fact, I googled fast pain relief. And I found thousands of sites that offer fast pain relief, from ointments to oils to patches to all kinds of stuff. We, we want to be rid of our pain quickly. We like quick fixes, and when it gets dark, we, we want to hurry the morning. But don't rush the dawn. Don't waste the night. 
sitting around wanting for, waiting for, wishing for the morning to come. In Psalm 16, verse 7, we read, At night my heart instructs me. At night. And in Psalm 42, 8, we read, At night the Lord's song is with me. At night. Jacob wrestled with God at night and received the blessing in the morning. In Acts 16, Paul and Silas are singing in the night. God does some of his best work at night. So if God, we want God to instill in us wisdom and courage and, and to stretch and strengthen our souls, then, then we're going to have to be willing to be patient in the night. Maybe that's what the psalmist was getting at when he wrote in Psalm 119. It was good for me to be afflicted so that I might learn your ways. It was good for me to be afflicted so that I could learn the ways of my Creator. And even of Jesus, the Bible says in Hebrews 5, 8, he learned obedience from what he suffered. He learned, even the Lord Jesus learned obedience from what he suffered. Don't waste the night. I had an email conversation with a friend that I grew up with. She and her husband, husband lived in, live in uh, Lineville, Alabama. Now, if you're wanting to go to Lineville from where I grew up in Anniston, you go through Chulafinney, and just past Chulafinney is, is Lineville. They live on a place with several acres. And she said to me in the email, It is so dark out here. The stars are beautiful. It is so dark out here. The star, away from all the lights of the city and the town out here, it's so dark, she said, the stars are beautiful. It reminded me of historian Charles Baird, who, who studied the dark periods in human history, the days when things were saddest and hardest and, and darkest. And he said it was the, it's the dark periods of history that, that have produced the deepest character and the highest hopes among humans. And he wrote, when it gets dark enough, you can see the stars. When it gets dark enough, you can see the stars. You can't see the stars in the light of day. You can't see the stars with all the lights around. But when it gets dark, those innumerable stars, those dancing wonders that have borne the hopes of many a boy and girl, those innumerable stars dance the dance of hope for all to see. You just can't see them in the light. When it gets dark, we can see things that are really important, can't we? When, I think even now during this pandemic, when it's gotten dark, some of us have realized how important it is to be with people. Some of us have, have remembered how important our families are. When things get dark, sometimes really good things happen. Suffering helps us to see what's important and, and shapes us into the best us. Of course, that would sound nonsensical to some. I wouldn't dare say that to someone who is in the middle of their grief. I wouldn't dare go to a funeral home and say, hey, you know what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. I wouldn't say something like that, and neither would you. When you look at pain objectively, we know that it does produce maturity and completeness God inspired James to say that, that, that count it joy when you fall into suffering because, because it can produce, that, that bad times can produce really good things. Isaiah twenty-eight sixteen reads, He who believes will not hurry, or as it, is, as it is translated in the New Revised Standard Version, he who trusts 
will not panic. So remember, fire makes gold pure. Two, don't rush the dawn. And finally, pray for the wisdom not to waste the pain. Pray for the wisdom not to waste the pain. Unusual wisdom is required to hang tight in the darkness and not rush the dawn. Warren Wearsby was writing about an acquaintance of his, an associate of his. This lady had had a stroke. Her husband had gone blind, and now her husband was in the hospital, not expected to live. Warren Wearsby saw her at church, and he said, I'm praying for you. What are you asking God to do? She, in turn, asked him. He said, I'm praying for you. She asked, what are you asking God to do? Her question caught Wearsby by surprise. I'm asking God to help you and strengthen you, he said. I appreciate that, she told him. But pray about one more thing. Pray that I'll have the wisdom not to waste all of this. Pray that I'll have the wisdom not to waste all of this. The 17th century priest, Francois Fenelon, said this in a letter to a hurting friend about a really difficult time. These challenges are a gift, an invitation into a deep journey. Don't squander it. Whenever our weakness is so obvious that we cannot deny it, we might think we are bankrupt. Oddly, however, when we are on the cusp of amazing, we are on the cusp of amazing profit if we allow this weakness to make us humble and obedient. Don't squander the hurt, Fenelon wrote. Don't squander the hurt. Pray, the lady said to Warren Wearsby, pray I'll have the wisdom not to waste all this. Don't waste this pandemic. You may have heard that phrase, you know, never waste a good crisis. Well, I'm saying let's not waste this pandemic. Don't rush the dawn. Don't, don't wish it away. I mean, we will join with Christians to pray for the end, but in the meantime, don't squander it. Don't, don't waste it. A friend of our, or a member really of our extended family, Scott Plumley, died a few years ago with cancer. He was still a young man, had two uh, teenage daughters. He fought hard, and he got frustrated. He was a person of faith, and he got, but he got really frustrated with this awful disease. And he shared with us a, an email that he wrote to his family explaining that the scans had shown that the cancer had returned. He laid out the, the prognosis, the, the treatment that would follow, and again expressed his frustration, his anger even at the disease. And then he, then he shared with us what his daughter, his teenage daughter, wrote back. His 15-year-old daughter wrote the following. He said, my daughter Paige wrote me a note before I went into surgery on Friday that has been an inspiration to me. The note said, we want God to change our circumstances, but God uses our circumstances to change us. It is easy to think God is obligated to make life easy for us and to take away all our difficult circumstances. But the truth is that during hard times, God is preparing us for greater things. He puts us in difficult situations because he, will, because he wants us to mature and grow in our faith. Something beneficial will come from, the, from withstanding difficult circumstances. Then she included the following scripture, James 1, 2-4. 
Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops, develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Like you, I'm ready for this to be over. And so I join with you in praying for Christians around the world for this to be over. But in the meantime, until the dawn comes, don't waste the dark. Don't waste the pandemic. Something really good can come from something really bad. 